You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I pray at this time that ultimately, not my words, but that your living word would go forth. Jesus, your son, that he would indeed take root uh, in our hearts and by the power and the presence of your spirit, bear in us the fruit of life and salvation and freedom which is found in you. This we ask, this we offer now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The portion of Luke's gospel that we've read this morning, it's funny as I was thinking about it for a a baptismal Sunday, it, it seems a little hypocritical because I can remember when each of my children were baptized, I was praying praying for a, a temporary state of muteness. Um, so uh, we, we hear that Jesus wonderfully, delightfully um, drove that out this morning and gave full voice um, to our young people. There is a man, John Patton. Uh, John Patton in 1858. John Patton was a Scottish missionary, and um, Patton heard the call to go um, to the New Hebrides, which is in the South Pacific, certainly a, a long ways away from Scotland at at any time, but particularly in that time, he was a newlywed, uh, and he and his wife traveled um, to be missionaries to these people, to take the Word of God um, to the people of uh, the New Hebrides, Uh, and particularly two islands, Anawa um, and Tana. You probably are familiar with those, Um, but uh, these two particular islands, and one of the things that he was doing during his time there was he was translating Um, the New Testament into the language uh, of the people. And as you might imagine, um, there was a mixed reaction to their presence there. Uh, Tremendous, initially tremendous uh, hostility and and danger um, for the the two of them. And and the response and the reception of their message uh, was was slow coming and uh, in time received gladly, gratefully, freely by some, but of course not um, by all. But one of the things that he was struggling with as he was attempting to translate the New Testament into the language of the people um, is that they did not have a word in their language for trust. Uh, they didn't have a language for, for faith. Um, they didn't have a word um, for belief. It, it's, I was going to say it's ironic, but it's really not. They had a recent history of cannibalism, um, and so not a shocker um, that trust was not um, a hallmark uh, of, their, of their language uh, or belief or, or, or faith. And so he was wrestling with how does he uh, translate this most essential word um, into uh, the New Testament. And one day he was in uh, his hut and one of the locals walked in and he leaned back in his chair. He leaned back upon um, two legs uh, in his chair and he put his arms out and he put his legs out and he asked, what's the word for this? And the word um, for that uh, meant to lean one's full weight upon, uh, to lean one's full weight upon. And that was the word that he used in his translation for faith. That was the word that he used for trust, for belief uh, in Jesus, this word uh, to lean one's full weight upon. And I think that's a a brilliant word, an apt word um, to use in describing faith. But beyond that as well, Patton had an excellent insight um, into the human condition, the people of his day, people um, like you and me, uh, the people of Jesus' day as well. And and he wrote this. He said, the instincts of humanity 
however degraded, prompt man to worship and lean upon some being or power outside himself and greater than himself. Uh, the human tendency to, to look for and to lean upon something outside of ourselves, a power beyond ourselves, that which is uh, endemic to our human nature. And he went on um, to say this, whether savage or civilized, man must either know the true God or must find an idol to put in his place. Man must either know um, the true God um, or find an idol uh, to put in its place. It's uh, akin to the words which Augustine uh, said long before, there is that God-shaped void um, in all of us. Uh, there is that void which we are attempting to fill. Uh, we're looking for something greater than ourselves. We're looking for something um, to ground our lives in, something to give us security, something um, to direct our lives. And into that reflection, into that introduction, we, we hear the abrupt beginning of this parable, uh, not this parable, this encounter in Luke's gospel. Uh, and we hear that as Jesus is traveling along, there is a man with a demon that had made him mute. Uh, and Jesus drives out the demon, and the man speaks, and the people who see it um, wonder. Uh, they, they, they marvel at what Jesus has done. But one of the things that we see is that marveling and faith are not synonymous. And, and if you think about it, it's kind of like a magician. I, I marvel at a magician as what a magician is able to do, but I don't believe him or her. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust them. I marvel at what they're able to do, but, it, but it's an entirely different thing um, to have trust, to have belief. And we hear that the people marvel at Jesus, but we also see um, that there are those um, who reject him. There are those who are resistant to him. And it, and it takes primarily um, two forms. And, and basically what the people do is they question his motives. Uh, they, they say to him, you know what, who are you working with? Who are you working for? What is your angle? What are you trying, what are you trying to accomplish? We, we know you are driving out um, demons by Beelzebul. That's, uh, that's what you're doing. And, and Jesus is more eloquent than what I'm about to say now. But Jesus says, well, that's ridiculous. Um, th- that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. A house divided doesn't stand. The, the, the devil's not driving out demons. Uh, he's not driving out his own servants by his own power. That makes no sense whatsoever. And he wonderfully goes on as well. He says, well, if, if I'm driving them out by Beelzebul, who are your people driving them out? Uh, they must be in league um, with Beelzebul also. And the other... Uh, maybe a little more uh, subtle, maybe a little more caged, but is, but is equally hostile. Uh, we hear that there are people who are continuing to seek him and ask him um, for another sign. Give us another sign. Give us um, another sign. And this right after the miraculous sign um, which we had done. But if you're anything like me, I, I get that to some degree. Uh, isn't that you and me as well? I, I certainly know that I have uh, and numerous times in my life said, you know, Lord, if you'll just give me a sign, uh, if you'll just um, make it clear, uh, you, know I'm, you know I'm tentative, you know uh, I'm hesitant, you know I'm often slow to perceive and believe if you would just make it absolutely um, clear for me, if you would give me a sign. Uh, and, I, and I can say that God at times has been incredibly um, gracious to give um, that sign and to give um, that assurance and to give um, that clarity. But there's actually, as we go through the passage today, we'll see that Jesus offers something greater um, than a sign. Because the problem about a sign is, and we see it in this encounter this morning, you can see a miraculous sign uh, and it doesn't necessarily translate into belief. 
It doesn't necessarily translate into faith, into a relationship, into um, discipleship. We can, we can marvel at it and then after a time forget it and, and move on. Uh, or we can say, you know, that's great, but I need, just a little, I need just a little bit more. And we see the entrenched and the hardened um, disbelief uh, of the people, their unwillingness um, to see, uh, their unwillingness um, to believe. And if you remember back um, earlier in Luke's gospel, the temptation in the wilderness what is the third temptation of Satan to Jesus? That temptation um, is to do a great sign, uh, to throw himself down uh, off the top of the temple. And in doing so, God would save him. God would rescue him. God would not allow him um, to land. And then with that great sign, people would be compelled to believe. People would have to believe uh, is the lie which Satan um, gives to Jesus. Uh, and we see the reality, uh, we can receive all the signs in the world, but there is the necessity uh, of the Spirit to come in and to soften our hearts. Uh, there's the necessity of the Holy Spirit to come in um, and to open um, our minds. The people just had a great sign right before them, and they say, you know, that was good, but we need one more. Um, can, I, uh, can, I, can I have another? It's like the joke about the grandmother walking um, down the beach with her grandson, and a great wave comes and crashes over them, and the grandson uh, is taken out. Uh, the grandson is taken out um, to sea, and she says, why, God, why did you do this? Uh, why did you take my grandson? Uh, and another wave comes and crashes uh, on the beach again, and her grandson uh, is there, and she looks up, and she said, he had a hat. Um, you know, we just, you know, one, you know, well, I need just a little bit more. That was great, but um, just uh, a little bit more. And, and Jesus goes on uh, and he addresses them. Uh, and then it takes, it takes a shift. Uh, we, see, uh, we see their opposition to Jesus, and yet we see Jesus coming um, into the midst of them with power and with grace um, and with truth. And Jesus says um, these words, which are significant, and he begins, the transition begins um, with that word, but. Uh, in verse 20, Jesus says this to them, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What Jesus is extending to them, what he's extending to you and to me, is, is none other than the very presence of the kingdom, not in some time to come, but now. With Jesus' arrival, with Jesus' appearance, uh, with Jesus in the midst of them, he says, the kingdom of God um, has come among you. And he uses this language, which is incredibly resonant, uh, the language of the finger of God. And if you uh, think back, if you hearken back to the time of the Exodus, uh, when the people of Israel were in slavery, they were in bondage in Egypt, and they were calling out to God, they were crying out to God to come um, and to deliver them. And you remember Aaron and Moses were sent to the people, uh, and Aaron and Moses were battling um, with the magicians of Pharaoh, and for the first two, uh, the magicians of Pharaoh had been able to match um, the wonders uh, of Aaron and Moses, the signs uh, which they demonstrated, but then with the third sign, um, they were not um, able to match them, which isn't all bad because that was gnats, um, but they weren't able um, to match um, Aaron and Moses in that, and, and Pharaoh asked his magicians, why aren't you able to do this? Why aren't you able to match them uh, in what they're doing? And the word of the magicians to Pharaoh is this. They said, because it is by the finger of God um, that they do this. It's not by um, incantation 
Uh, it's by none other than the presence and the power of God that they're able um, to do this. Uh, and so Jesus uses this language to the people speaking of himself, uh, the power which has come on. And then we hear this amazing portion of the promise uh, of the strong man, uh, the strong man whose house uh, is plundered, the strong man whose armor in which he trusted is taken away and his spoil um, divided. And as you might imagine, the strong man to whom Jesus refers uh, is Satan. Uh, and Jesus says, I, I have come. I have come um, to bind the strong man. Uh, I have come um, to set my people free. I have come um, to divide his spoil. Uh, what is the spoil of Satan? What is the spoil um, of the strong man? It's, it's you and me. Uh, it's, it's people. Jesus saying, I have come uh, and I have bound the strong man, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, of God has come into the world, uh, and there is hope, um, there is assurance, there is freedom, there is life. Rather than on the work of the demons, which would um, consume and control, I've come that you might be free. Uh, I've come uh, that you might not be hopeless, but that you would be hopeful. And he goes on and talks about, though, um, the desire for you and for me um, to be the strong woman. Um, to be the strong man, to, to clean out um, our house, uh, to clean up um, our act, to turn uh, our lives around by our efforts. And the example given uh, is uh, the unclean spirit um, going out from the person uh, and the person repenting but not turning um, to Jesus, repenting but not turning, not trusting and not leaning upon um, that power, leaving uh, a void that is then again filled uh, even more greatly um, than before. So what is it that we hear? What is placed before us this morning? It is in these wonderful words and the invitation of Jesus uh, for you and for me to hear the Word of God um, and to keep it. The Word is this, uh, is that God in His great might, in His great mercy, has come into the world um, to bind the strong man, um, to defeat him once and for all, um, through his life and his ministry, through his preaching and his teaching, and ultimately through his death and through his resurrection. Uh, we celebrate that this morning, that the stronger man, Jesus, has come into the world, and that through his sacrifice, through his death and through his resurrection, um, he has bound those who would separate us from him, uh, the one who would separate us from life, and has given to us instead um, his security, uh, his freedom, his grace, his salvation. And so my prayer for you, my prayer for me, um, is to reflect on the various ways in our lives where we're trying to be the strong woman, where we're trying to be the strong man, where we're leaning um, on our strength, attempting to deliver ourselves, attempting to solve and resolve things that are too big for you and for me, uh, and that we might find that joyful peace uh, of what it is to lean our full weight upon Jesus and to find our strength uh, in Him. Not that you and I will ever do it uh, perfectly, uh, we do it faultingly, um, failingly, but to believe uh, that Jesus is, in fact, uh, the Word of God made flesh, uh, that He is the truth, that He is the one who's come into the world to bind the strong man, and that you and I ultimately would not be bound, but that we would be free, that we would not be hopeless, uh, that we would be hopeful. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your gracious pursuit of us, and that in Jesus, your Son, you come to bind that which we cannot, and through your death and through your resurrection, 
you indeed have bound um, the strong man of this world and extended to us uh, your grace, your freedom, your hope, and your salvation. By the work of your Spirit in our hearts and our lives, draw us to you, most gracious God, that we might lean our full weight upon you, and that in you we might know the rest and salvation found therein. This we ask, this we offer, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.